This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You know, we believe in sharing and giving flowers to the great individuals when it comes to entertainment, when it comes to sports, showing tribute, tipping tribute, giving tribute, showing flowers, giving flowers. And this is a flower giving episode as well. Eight time pro bowler, all with the Minnesota Vikings, 1990s all decade team member, pro football hall of famer. You can follow him on Twitter at Chris Carter 80. And he is the host of new, a great new podcast called Wide Receiver One, which you can download anywhere where podcasts are found. Search WR1, Wide Receiver One, an outstanding podcast. Mr. Chris Carter is joining us here. All Things Covered, Pat Peterson, Brian McFadden. Chris, how you doing? Good, man. Thanks for the invite. I, I greatly appreciate it. Um, I've listened to a couple of you guys' podcasts, and I followed both of your careers. Pat's still playing and everything. So it's nice to see um, the combination. It's nice to see... Um, so many guys trying to work in the media um, because it's a great platform for people, for your personalities. So no thank you. And, and Chris, I'm, I'm going to jump right into it real quick. I'm going I'm to take you all the way back to Blanche Ely versus St. Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, Pat, I forgot all three of us from Broad on this call, on this, yeah, on this podcast. Yeah. So take, take them back. Take yeah. them back to St. Thomas. To, to coach that squad that they had. I don't I don't believe you guys want to stay there, but you guys went pretty deep. Mm-hmm. In the tournament. But do you remember what happened on that punt return that Pierre fumbled initially and we recovered mm-hmm. the flag that was called on that Friday afternoon? I don't know. It seems like every time St. Thomas is involved in the game, the people come feeling as if we've already paid off the referees, let alone the good football players. Now, you just need a little bit of help that day. If you would have had a little bit of help that day, you would have beat us, I mean, by yourself. That was my first experience with Patrick Peterson. I mean, wing T, I mean, forget defense. Like, I knew at that time, it was almost like Little League. I was like, man, check his birth certificate, man. Where that dude come from? I mean, I mean, you truly, not only as a competitor, but as a young person, when you go around and, and you play this game, it helps to have a nice body. And you got one of the greatest bodies, man, ever built for playing this this game of football. And, and that was one of the first things uh, that I recognized. And um, one day when we're sitting around having lunch and um, and they're getting you fitted for a gold jacket and everything, you're going to see why you fit into being in the hall, um, on and off the field. But it's a lot of big people in the hall. And that's one of the first things that, that really jumped to my attention. And then, you know, knowing about the family, your father, the training, all that, like, that, that's what I remember about Patrick Peters. I don't remember the refs being involved too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Saint, and one thing about in Broward County, St. Thomas get a lot of home cooking. Yes, a lot of, especially if you play St. Thomas at St. Thomas. Oh, <laughs> oh man. 
<laughs> hey, you, my, ref, man, we take good care of the referees, man. We have nice food, cold drinks <laughs> in their locker room. Now, that's something we do do. Yeah, yeah, no, no doubt. Hey, Pat, they cut the scoreboard off on us my senior year when they had uh, Tony Brown, uh, Joe Bruce. I think Joe was uh, okay. Isaac's Bruce, uh, like nephew. They had that some was right ballers. before I got there. Yeah. Yep, yep. And then we were we were driving, needed like a th- three points to win, and they had a brand new scoreboard that they just you know just built at the stadium. Hey, is old though, man. You can't change the electronics, man. Man, listen, Chris. That's a brand new scoreboard, and the clock went off. And so the referee said, "We gonna keep time on our wrist." We was like, "Oh boy, we know what time it is now." <laughs> we like, we already know what time it is now, man. We went from having a minute forty-five to thirty-five seconds in two plays, and both were incompletions. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm tell yeah. You know, coaching, coaching in Broward. I coached at St. Thomas for eight years, mm-hmm. and um, it really. And I'm from the Midwest. I'm originally from Ohio, so. In Ohio, we got great athletes and everything, but we have good coaching. Like the guys that are involved in the game and everything really teach the kids to play um, the right way. When I got to Florida, man, and being 16 years in the NFL, I was able to see why with all the different combinations of culture and how they go about football, even from a little 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 jet, man, they they serious about that football. Right. And there's so many good athletes. It's like, it's not hype. Like, it is really not hype. Every year, high school, you're going to get 300, 320, 350 Division I football players from the state of Florida. And a lot of them, you know, around the 954. I mean, Mm -hmm. they they right up in there between Palm Beach and Miami. That little, that little nugget right there of of property, I would, I, I would take that against any. Same dimensions, population, anywhere in the United States. I don't care. L.A., Texas, I, I don't care. No doubt. Because I've seen it. And I'm quarterbacks, D linemen, DBs, receivers. I'm talking about dudes that can flat out run. Not, not people talking about. I'm talking about dudes that can flat get it. Yeah. So much respect. Yeah, we appreciate you. We appreciate you. Well, Chris, let's jump into your podcast in life right now. Uh, you dominated in the gr- on the gridiron. Now you're dominating on the podcast uh, level as well. So far on your podcast, you've chatted with Julian Edelman, Allen Robinson, Terry McLaurin, Calvin Johnson. What has been your biggest takeaway uh, talking to this generation of wide receivers? And 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 what what have you learned anything from them based on how they attack the game compared to how you attack the game? Well, if, if you look at it and um... You know, I know Pat's held a, cut, a lot of football camps and everything. Mm-hmm. And just over the last 20 years, what position kids want to play, it's totally changed. Mm-hmm. And I think that the ability um, that in Little League football, kids are throwing the ball more and with a little more accuracy, say, than before. So now the coaches, there's more spread offenses. So guys are, are, are starting to become more equipped to play wide receiver and play at a high level because of the coaching, not only of the position, but offense and how they're going to attack defenses. So for me, it's, it's, it's really interesting. What drew them to the position? What type of players drew them to the position and some of the attributes as far as the creativity, the acrobatics, um, the mental and physical toughness, you know, getting into their head, trying to figure out, what drew you to a position that drew me to it? Because I really felt like I could make a difference 
um, in the game. I grew up in a different era, and they weren't allowing as many of us to play quarterback at the time. So for me, wide receiver was the next um, best position. Pat P., you can look this up too. Uh, B-Fat, you can look it up. Chris Carter, All-State, free safety, 10 oh. interceptions in 10 games, only played <laughs> in the secondary one year. Everything they do back there, I was snatching it. <laughs> I don't, oh, we, we don't disagree with that. Your right. hands was, was, was impressive. No doubt about it. Did you have any multi-pick games? Um, I did have one game I had I had two picks in, but the best play I ever made was a guy was uh, – we were playing a local rival, uh-huh. and I had looked at the tape, and I saw this pass they like to run, especially in third and long, and it was this uh, wide receiver named Robbie Long, mm-hmm. and they like to go to him across the middle. And, man, I saw that the tackle, because, you know, my first read is a free safety, is reading that play side tackle. Mm-hmm. And when he took that first step back to set, I took about three nice backpedal steps and started looking for Robbie Long. And, man, I caught him coming from my right to my left uh, around his midsection. Thank goodness he's still alive. But they had to, they had to <laughs> lift him from a hel- on a helicopter to the hospital. Wow. <laughs> You definitely, you definitely would got ejected. That'd have been a target, and probably not. I, I exploded on, and and you know, of course, I was in the play and everything, but I didn't really understand the significance of it. When I went to Ohio State, his girlfriend came up to me on campus and like, "Are you Chris Carden?" I was like, "Yes." Didn't know what was going on. Maybe it's yeah. help with my homework. It was freshman year. <laughs> it's like I'm the girlfriend of Robbie Long. I was like, "Oh my goodness!" I hit him hard. <laughs> like you put him in the hospital. I said it was a perfect strike. <laughs> hey Chris, on your podcast, you talked about uh, you obviously had an opportunity to talk uh, talk with uh, some of the uh, NFL greats in this league. What do you take on uh, the young receiver? Well, not young, you know, but the re- the receiver duo duo that we have in Minnesota with Adam and um, Justin. I'm very impressed, and and, and really because. Sometimes when you get in these situations, there can be conflict. Mm-hmm. And uh, a guy has established himself. Um, he's with the team. And with Thielen, he's got a great story. I mean, you walking on to the NFL and you become a star in the NFL, one of the top 100 players, you make Pro Bowls, you have consistency. I mean, you made a good living for yourself. Right. And then all of a sudden, man, I, you know, because I've had it happen. You know, me and Jake Reed had four straight thousand yard years. And what does Dennis Green do? We go out and draft Randy Moss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we had an NFL record, four straight, both guys getting a thousand yards. And then we draft Randy Moss. I had to, people say, man, when you called Randy, what did you talk about? I talked to Randy about a lot of shit. Immediately I had to call Jake. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, because there's only one football. And um, sometimes, you know, younger players, more so younger players than the veteran players because we have a legacy in this league that we're going to teach these kids the right way. Mm-hmm. Because somebody taught us the right yeah. way. Yes, right. And we just believe our overall ability. Like people say, it might cheat me out of a year on the back end, but I'm going to still do it the right way, man. Yeah. Because these veterans, we give a lot of coach credit to the coaches, but without the veteran players, when you come into this league, man, the younger players would be lost. Mm-hmm. You know, so for me, I thought I owed it to the profession. I owed it to the fellow football player. I owed it to my squad to try to get these young players as much knowledge as possible and to continue to stretch. We've been playing great football in the NFL for 100 years. And if we keep having guys like yourself, keep taking young players under your wing that will continue to enjoy the game. And 
that the little kids out there that are trying to be us, that the league would be ready for them and it'd be a good league. And you leave the league. That's one thing that Larry Fitzgerald, you know, I, I just told him, I promise, I told him, just make a promise to me. You don't ever have to give me a dime, but just promise me you'll leave the NFL in better shape um, than when you came. Mm-hmm. Make me that promise. And he was able to make me that promise. I think he, he lived out that. And, and Pat, you were a recipient of that. And B. Fadden, you've been a recipient of things like that. So, you know, seeing them acquiesce to each other. Justin Jefferson, no, I'm an understood. I, I know Adam Thielen is the senior guy. And both of them understanding their role and coming together so that the purple can play football, so that their passing game could be effective. Um, that's the thing I'm probably most proud of and that I saw um, the mutual, mutual respect of how they're going to go about the game, um, how they're going to receive information from one another and understanding that both of them need each other on and off the field. So they maximize their ability. Right. Without great knowledge, great knowledge and insight coming from a Hall of Famer. Chris, you talked about one of your best plays in high school, right? When you hit Robbie Long, but let's highlight one of the best plays in college, go back to what, 1985 Citrus Bowl, Ohio State versus BYU. And we're gonna post this clip on Twitter as well so our listeners and viewers can actually see the play that we're that I'm talking about. You had a catch in that game that probably would have broken the internet today. If it happened in today's game, it probably would have went viral for sure. Uh, describe that play for us and, and, and how good were you feeling after that play? Oh, this was nice. I know exactly what you're talking about. Along the right sideline, mm-hmm. the cornerback mm-hmm. was thrown out of bounds. It was um, third and long, and um, they had played a soft cover three. I mean, it was BYU. They didn't have a whole bunch of athletes on the back end. Yep. And the guy was so far off of me, uh, we weren't going to be able to get deep on him. And then the undercovers, he was worrying about throwing the pick. So he had to put a little more air on it. And um, I didn't wear any gloves in college, but a couple of games in college. Mm-hmm. And um, the only way that I could get it was spirit I, with my left. And um, I had, I think I had on the Nike Air, the high tops or the, or the mids in that yep. game. I remember it all. I had my wrist taped up. Like halfway, or oh, I remember it all, but I snatched that one. Yeah. And, um, the coaches on the sideline were saying something to me, and I looked back over and I said, Man, I'm the best in college and headed to the NFL soon. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Hey, well, talking about I had, hey, Pat, I had gotten a couple friends, the DBs. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to tell them the BYU dudes because, they, you know, they got a lot of restrictions at BYU. It's not yeah. like you, Ohio State, stuff like right. that, Florida State. You know, we're pretty free. We we, we right. have some, no question. We, we have some hardcore guys. So we play BYU, and we're going to a couple of the little receptions and everything. So um, we make friends with the defensive backs because they got a, a, a – that's where the African-Americans are on BYU's football team. All right? Yep. They're in the secondary. So we start chit-chatting with him, and dude's like, hey, man, what you drinking on? He's like, hey, man, we got some, um, you know, Hennessy, uh, rum and coke. You know, what you got? He's like, oh, man, you know, we can't drink and everything. I said, so y'all just drinking coke and everything? He's like, yeah. He said, but hey, man, they look the same in a glass. He said, if you could order us up a couple. <laughs> I was like, oh, let's do it, man. Let's do it. <laughs> I said, let's do it. We sent them over about five or six drinks and everything. And uh, we knew they weren't going to be doing too much drinking. And we knew he was going to blast them and everything. So mm-hmm. that was my BYU strength. Yeah, we got them some drinks. Yeah, them boys at BYU was drinking and everything. Oh, <laughs> Just like the boys at the state school. <laughs> <laughs> they found a way to get it in. Right. 
well, you, uh, Buddy Ryan made a famous quote about you. He said, mm-hmm. all you guys is catch touchdowns. What made you such a beast and get in an end zone in your day? Well, uh, um, a lot of people, you know, don't necessarily know my whole background. And I really came from a basketball family. Mm-hmm. I had three brothers. Um, my oldest brother, Butch, played in the NBA seven years. And, and I would say, like, Pat, when I met you at 16, 17, I was a better basketball player at that time um, than, than, than a football player. Compliments mm-hmm. to your homeboy, Eddie Jones. That's one of my guys. Man. We, we hang out, EJ and everything. In, NBA, Lakers, Heat, all-around great guy. But I was a better basketball player. So for me, um, on the football field, it, it became, especially in those contested balls, it became more like a jump ball. And mm-hmm. I had like a 38-inch vertical and um, I didn't have blazing speed. So I used to always try to figure out, okay, on the field, I can't utilize this whole field mm-hmm. because if, if we backed up, I'm going to have to make a hell of a play to score from there. But mm-hmm. I knew the closer we got to the 50, you was getting closer into my range. And once we went <laughs> on the other side of the 50, I knew I could make one or two guys miss and, and, and I could score. So I tried to map out certain areas, red zone, sideline, between the hashes, I knew how many steps I would take if I was getting inside man, if I was getting press, how many strides that I could go before I run into that mic or that weak side linebacker. If I'm in the slot, I'm running the post corner. If I hit the numbers, if I flatten it out, how many strides I'm going to have before I have to catch it on the sideline. Sidelines 53 and a third yards wide. So for me, the end zone, I never go into more than eight yards deep in the end zone. Mm-hmm. That back line, y'all ain't going to never cover that. No right. one in football covers that. And if the guy wants to throw it high, it gives me ability to, to fade with the football and make more of those catches compared to drifting out of bounds. So for me, it was more strategy. Mm-hmm. Like I knew that I was limited as far as speed. And what parts of this game am I going to be able to take advantage of? What parts of this field am I going to take advantage of? And I always felt like I was one of the smartest players out there. And I would do the things that the other receivers wouldn't do. So all that information, I compiled it, and I really concentrated. When the coaches put in red zone, man, I was so zeroed in. I used to memorize all the red zone plays, what down, what sequence, what coverage the coach was expecting. And then if the coach ever asked me for suggestions, I was always on top of it and thought about it like a coach. And, you know, so for me, the same way you've done, Pat, with bump and run. Like, you've always played bump and run. Not just because it's bump and run, but you have really thought that with your speed, with your football IQ, with your body mass, with you loving the physical contact, loving the chess match, the best way for you to play the game was going to be bump and run. Right. That's the same way that I realized with the red zone. Mm-hmm. Third down. I knew that those were the – that's how I was going to set myself apart from other guys. And then I always believe this. I catch all the balls that everybody catch. Uh-huh. And I catch a few that no one can catch. And if you do that in the red zone, it's going to allow you to really be able to help your football team win a lot of football games. And you dropping some jewels right there. And I, and I, I appreciate that knowledge because there are a lot of people that listen to us or watch us or just casually watch the game of football. And they just think it's all about athleticism. They think there's no thinking involved. But strategically speaking, you got to have a game plan in place. As a player, not just from the coaches that are up topping on the sideline, but 
the great players have a game plan in place. They know their strengths, they know their weaknesses, and they know how to, you know, sweep some things under the rug that most people might not know they have. Man, right. that's that's some dope information there. And because of how well you were able to dominate, especially in the red zone, when you retired, Chris, you you were a second all-time in wide receiver touchdowns behind Jerry, Jerry Rice, mm-hmm. the legend. You know, the, the GOAT, Jerry Rice. Now, there are a few other guys that played a little longer that played and eventually uh, surpassed you. But when you retired, man, you were the second best to ever do it getting into the end zone. So uh, hats off to you and how you were able to master seven points. I mean, if, if fantasy football was around when you were playing, especially how it is now, you'd be a big time fantasy get. I know that much because I'm heavy. Fantasy, in it was there. Fantasy was just getting started and everything. Okay. Okay. Well, you know me, I was younger. And then when I started playing, I didn't know what fantasy was until I actually retired. Right. right. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. Especially yeah. from a defensive perspective, they got in the, the, the defensive teams far more involved. Beginning of the fantasy, they weren't that involved as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when Dennis Green got to Minnesota, what changed? Because it seemed like in totality, the playoffs were destined for you guys when he was there. Green made the playoffs eight out of the nine seasons with the Minnesota Vikings. So what changed uh, when he became the head coach? Man, everything changed, man. Every, every, everything everything changed. You know, we immediately changed our offense from a pro set, eye formation, to a three receiver set, spread the field. And we were going to run a combination of Washington, Joe Gibbs, what they were running with their three receiver sets, and the West Coast. Get the ball out of your hand, get the ball in space to your playmakers, you know, three outs, four outs, five outs, as much as possible, put a stress on the defense. So we ran a combination of offensive systems, but um, we didn't have necessarily um, – the stadium with the resources and everything, but it really became a place. If a guy wanted to salvage his career, if a guy had a bad reputation, um, they could come to Minnesota and Dennis Green was going to give them a shot. I yeah. mean, man, we had a lot of guys, man, that, you know, who I knew just around the league. And Dennis and I used to sit down and have personnel meetings uh, once a week. And you'd say, man, who, you know this guy? It's like, hey, man, Jerry Ball, man. We should go out and get JB, man. He's a good dude, great locker room guy, great mm-hmm. leader. We could put him in there about 30 snaps, keep him in shape now. We up here in Minnesota. <laughs> we, might, we might have to get a new, a new um sweat box, you know, yeah. to, to, to keep that, keep him down. Um, you know, maybe under 330 in, in the wintertime. But you're talking about a football player, a leader, um, Dale Carter as a cornerback. Ooh, Dale was nice out there. The line of scrimmage, whoo. Yeah. That Dale put the fear in you too now. Yes, sir. You had to make up your mind. This is what you want to do today. <laughs> <laughs> Dale used to say, how you want to do it today, old man? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I forgot you played with Dale. I remember Dale coming out of Tennessee, yes. going to Kansas City. Yes. Man, Dale, Dale went hard. He went hard off the field and on the field. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and Dale, we brought Dale up there and a bunch of other. Dale and Jake are brothers. And so um, that was a natural for us to bring him up there. Yeah. Um, I became good friends. You know your boy Boucher, man, Corey yep. Fuller. You know? Yeah, yeah. I sat him Boucher. down the first day and took care of him. That's what's up. Uh, like. In his days there and made him come to Bible study on Thursday because he used to always come want to come get a home-cooked meal. I said, mm-hmm. okay, it's like your grandma. She wanted, She told you, if you don't go to church, you ain't going to be eating on Sunday. You live in my house. <laughs> you go. So I told him, hey, bro, you got to come to Bible study. Yeah. To get that grub on Thursday. You know, Pat, we reel them in with yeah, the food no and drink, get them on in and everything. A hot plate, so, a hot plate, the best way to do it. No doubt. Yeah, so, absolutely, man. With Dennis Green, he changed it. Even far with the coaching staff, um, you know, he gave Tony Dungy his shot. He gave Brian Billick his shot. But for African-American mm. coaches, 
we always had six, seven African-American coaches. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's even one thing that the NFL is missing right now, the legacy of Dennis Green, because he passed away before he should. But, man, he mentored. His coaching tree is amazing. Right. And he was into teaching football and growing young men up, taking advantage of the culture, taking advantage of the NFL. Um, every Tuesday was Community Tuesday. You was not going to sit on your butt. You was going out in the community and make somebody feel better because you got a great life. Um, man, I owe so much to Dennis Green. He grew me as a leader. He challenged me to challenge guys um, different ways um, on the field, off the field. Um, it was, um, I don't know where, you know, that I would be, he really helped develop me, you know, as a leader and gave a lot of coaches, a lot of players opportunities. So Dennis Green is a bad boy, man. Bad dude. Good dude, man. Really good dude. Funny, funny, funny as can be, but serious about that football underrated as a coach. Um, and his ability to evaluate talent was so, so special. Yeah. Uh, Dennis is definitely a legend. And, uh, Will for you, uh, forever be missed. No question. You, uh, you also play with all sorts of quarterbacks, uh, quarterbacks mm-hmm. like uh, Jimmy Mann, Warren Moon, Brad Johnson, Cunningham, Rich Gannon, Rich Gannon, Dante Culpepper. Who you? Who do you think you had the best chemistry chemistry with, and why? Man, Warren Moon, first ballot Hall of Famer. Warren Moon is on a whole nother level, man. Mm-hmm. It'd be, it'd be, Besides Tom Brady at 44 yesterday throwing five touchdown passes, no one as a 40-year-old had thrown five touchdown passes except Warren Moon. Mm. Warren Moon used to take care of Man, he had one of them gladiator bodies, big old chest, lifting <laughs> weights, taking care of himself, man, long before people. And dude went up there and did six years of hard time up in the CFL. <laughs> he said hard time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's different life than the NFL. <laughs> I mean, no one would give him the opportunity, but yeah. Warren Moon, he knew so much football. And um, I was only able to play two seasons with him. But you mentioned a lot of guys who cut their teeth, Brad, Rich Gannon, both of them being in the Super Bowls. Brad won a Super Bowl. I played two seasons with Warren Moon. I want you to think about this, man. Only two seasons, 244 catches. Done. Huh? And what? 24 touchdowns. <laughs> Wait a minute. 244. Two, two, so you basically had you basically had 122 each year. That, that, hey man, stop. Hey man, stop reading my mail. That's what I, I broke <laughs> record in 19, 1994, man. 120. I, sure, I know my math ain't all the way good, but it gotta be good enough. That that's but yeah, that's Florida what I got State, in my man. head. Florida State, we'll help you through it. Man, <laughs> you we got 244. Back to back, and, and Warren, after the season ended, we broke the NFL record at 122-7. and seven. I, they, People say, what are you going to work on? Next year, watch the touchdowns. Next year, we, we went 122 and 17 touchdowns. Mm. What? Mm. Oh. Hey, CC, man, people ain't talking about that enough. That might be the best two uh, two years span from any wide receiver quarterback in the history of the game got to be. Right. Let me, let me think. That's what got the party started, man. I didn't make my Pro Bowl until my seventh season, my first Pro Bowl until my seventh season. So I had to cook with grease, man. I couldn't be fooling around with no charcoal and no wood chips. <laughs> <laughs> I had already tricked off enough time. I had to get busy. <laughs> wow, man. And, and you got to look at it like this, too. In, in that era, you know, you guys threw the ball a lot in Minnesota, but it's not like how it is now. 
You know what no. I'm saying? It was still generic. You know, you first P and 10 is 12 personnel. You know what I mean? Two backs tight in, two wide receivers. You don't right. you don't go to a spread attack, three wide receivers or four wide receivers until it's a passing down. So you right. did numbers and mostly in a generic style running type offense. I mean, we we really changed the whole process. We made them go three receivers. Like, man, we used to go to practice, man, and we used to rip the defense. And they'd be like, man, what y'all going so hard for? I said, man, we got to convince these fools that three receivers is the way. So ain't no days off, man. Ain't no days. Ain't no days. We, we were in that era where you had to convince the coaches that first down throwing the ball was the best. That was the best look you was going to get. Yeah. Yeah. In that second, they bring that nickel, roll that in, dime on third. Man, come on, man. First down, size them up, man. Put them out there. Whatever they want to get. Four, eight, three, two, two, man. Let's go. First down, let's get it. But you have to prove to people. I try to tell young people all the time, everybody want a handout. Mm -hmm. My mom told me, if you ever come back to the house and tell me the coach ain't playing you enough, it's your damn fault. Yeah. Why, mama? Because you didn't prove to him in practice that he was a fool not to put you in there. So it's your fault. Yeah. So for me, I ain't got no empathy. Oh man, should he be in there? Should he be in there? Let the people know. Pat, I remember your first day when you went to LSU. It wasn't no doubt what he was going to do. Hey, what number that dude wearing, man? Seth, oh, she, they put him in that number? All right. And let history begin. Mm. You have to put that on people. You yeah. can't go out there with reputation and all. No. And I learned that from a from a very, very young age. So that's what young people should be, man. It's about competition. These new athletes we got, everybody want to hand out, everybody want to guarantee, everyone, man, prove it to the people. Yeah. Right. I can tell you this much. That 244, man, that might be the best two years span stretch. Yeah. Any wide receiver, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna let Eric do do some research, but I'm willing to bet I don't know if it's a wide receiver did that in two years, CC. Yeah. We're going to find out for sure. Yeah. And and talking about three receiver sets, man, you mentioned this earlier in our conversation. The Vikings drafted Randy Moss in 1998. When did you realize he wasn't going to he wasn't going to just be a good player, but he was going to be one of the all time greats? Man, first day. <laughs> hey, hey, I play with eight Hall of Famers, man. These dudes don't walk the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, they don't think the same. It, 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 hey man, I don't care if it's a baseball, I don't care if it's a horse, I don't care if it's a jump shot. Man, when you see it, you see, man, you be like, okay, that's it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Man, we was in the, we was in the locker room after man, Pat carried the ball like 30 times, man. They was running some wing T BS stuff, no type of, no type of scheme. Give me the ball, hike it to him. And, and he getting ready to beat, man, we got about 10 Division One players. <laughs> and then you leave the state of Florida and you go to LSU. I thought you knew, man. Like, these dudes aren't normal, man. Yeah. Let me tell you who Randy Mossy is, man. He could do everything that I used to think about as a wide receiver. He could do it with his feet or his hands. Like there's certain routes, there's certain positions as a DB. You can't get in unless you special. Yeah. There's even a certain plan, a certain elite plan in the way elite DBs plan. Man, I've watched video of prime time. 
I played against six Hall of Fame corners. We're talking about Daryl Green, Rob Woodson, Prime Time, all these dudes. Mike Haynes, I played bumper. These dudes played bump run against me. Man, these ain't normal guys, man. They're not normal creatures. Yeah. <laughs> Randy Moss on the first workout, I knew he was special. Me and Dennis Green had set up. When we drafted him, he was coming to Florida. Pat, you know I've been living in Boca forever. Mm -hmm. He bought a place in Boca. The first day we worked out, me and Coach Green scheduled a call a couple hours later, and Coach said, what you think? I said, hey, man, <laughs> tricks is for kids. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's, ama he's amazing. And I said, Coach, he got a hunger and a nastiness to him. You don't have no problem with the league, man. Yeah. He's going to be all right. <laughs> now, he couldn't bench press 135 at the time. I said, but coach, we'll protect him. <laughs> <laughs> so we put so, that 45 on there. <laughs> he's struggling. He's, man, get this shit. <laughs> <laughs> so we, so we, yeah, so would you say the 98 team was the best team to not win a Super Bowl going 15-1 and one in the regular season? You guys I mean, lost to Atlanta that year, 30-27 yeah. uh, to 27 in the overtime conference championship. Yeah, 11-point favorites, big-time big favorites. Yeah, 11-point favorites in that conference championship game. We had five starters get knocked out during the game. The Falcons played an unbelievable game. Mm -hmm. And – we had, as you guys know, there are three or four moments of truth during football games. People always like to say, oh, it's the last kick, it's the kicker. But it's typically a handful of plays, when you go back over it, that they could have made a difference. Yep. And we had a couple of drives in the second quarter that we had a chance to go up 21, 17 points. Because we had to lead all the way until the game went into overtime. Yeah. Like, we had to lead the whole game. And right before halftime, we're up 14 points. We get the ball back, maybe two minutes to go. Mm -hmm. Coach said, okay, we're going to be aggressive, just like we have all year. We're going to go for it. Second or third down, Cunningham fumbles. Chuck Smith makes a great strip sack. They get the ball inside the 10-yard line, go in the score. Now we're in a dogfight. We're going to halftime. Instead of up by 14, we up momentum then shifted. We're only up by seven. Mm -hmm. We had a bunch of starters get hurt late in the game. Um, that's no excuse. They played great. We had a field goal kicker that was perfect all season, missed a 39 yarder, um, to get, not, not put us up to make us up by 10, <laughs> yeah. uh. 10 late in the game, which would have sealed the deal for us. So he misses the kick, um, first and second down, we shut him down. I think we have a third and nine in the, the corner. I mean, I like y'all. God bless y'all. <laughs> The right corner gets got on a on an out and up. Mm. And they get that big chunk play. Next thing you know, they go on and score, and we in overtime. And we in the fight for our life. So it was a great team. Highest scoring team of the 80s and the 90s. I think we averaged 34 points a game. Mm. Yeah. Bad thing is when you train kids, you practice hard. People say, well, practice till you make perfect. I've watched Nick Saban, the live football. Mm -hmm. Y'all should watch that. And any person serious about being a DB, just watch it. It's, it's amazing. 
Yeah. He talks about, I want you to practice until you can't do it wrong. Mm. And I had never, ever heard that before. Wow. Never, ever heard anything, you know, like that. And it's right. on the it's football life. It just, came on the, it just came on the NFL network. And as you guys can see, just like yourself, that's why you made your living. I'm, I'm into football. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Like I'm, I'm, I'm into it and I'm into the ugly parts of it that make you play well. Yeah. A lot of guys ain't into that. See my yeah. little dog back there? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that's dope. We're definitely going to check that out. Nick Saban, we had him on the show during last season, and he came and dropped some jewels on us as well. So we definitely appreciate that. Uh, we're going to transition to the superlative part of our show, and it's going to be a little different for us today. You made our job easy for us because, you know, you tweeted out last week uh, the, all the different body parts it takes you would construct to to put together the perfect wide receiver number one. So let's talk about the, those choices that you decided to come up with. Size frame. You decided to go Calvin Johnson, honorable mm -hmm. mention, DK Metcalf. Why Calvin? Well, Calvin, it's, um, let me teach you guys something. The taller the receiver, the less advantage he has as far as route run. Mm -hmm. And why? Because, the higher your hip joint is off the ground, people wonder why do short guys have short area quickness? Because their hips is lower to the ground. Mm -hmm. For a big guy to rise up and to rise back down and be able to get in and out of his brakes like a smaller guy. So it's people think, oh man, I want height as a receiver. It's an advantage. <laughs> yeah, some of it. But it's a huge disadvantage if you don't know how to utilize it. Right. So for me, I think the perfect size is still a little smaller as far as Randy and Calvin. Calvin's 6'5". You know, so for me, size in mm -hmm. huge size, that's why I put Calvin in there. And I wanted the modern-day football fan to realize that I keep my eye on the current game. Mm -hmm. It helps blend yeah. the past with the current. Right. And if you look at someone like DK Metcalf, if I only had the canvas of the game today, mm -hmm. it would be someone like DK Metcalf. Hope that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. And then you go to strength, you mm -hmm. know, Terrell Owens, honorable mention Sterling Sharp. I love that. I love Sterling Sharp. You talk hey, about. Bro, you talking about some big dudes, some of the guys yeah. running through people. <laughs> yeah. I saw yeah. T.O. last month. I'm like, goodness gracious. He didn't find the fountain of youth. He slept there for a few nights. <laughs> no he doubt. Still, he still got that 20 sheen on his skin and muscle tone. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. And T.O. was a strong runner. It was like you knew he had power when he was running. He wasn't just gliding. Yeah. He was a strong runner. Yeah. And, he had uh, a little gallop to him. Too. Yeah. So, um, you know, TNO, we TO and I, we, we've had some uh, interesting uh, back and forth through the years and everything, but I still have respect for what he accomplished playing the game. And if I'm going to be fair to the fans out there, yeah. I need to give people credit. And that's what he should have credit for. And that's why he made a very, very hard list. No question. IQ, you got Larry Fitzgerald, 
uh, route running footwork, you got Marvin Harrison slash Chad Ochocinco. Uh, work ethic, mentality, Jerry Rice, honorable mention, Michael Irvin, hands, DeAndre Hopkins, Chris Carter, speed, Tyreek Hill, Randy Moss. So I think that that that's a guy no DB want to face. Uh-huh. If you ever can put that type of skill set all in one body. Uh, but last question I have for you, when you look at Tyreek Hill and Randy Moss, now you saw Randy Moss at his peak prime years, and Tyreek Hill is still in his prime, I would say. Who do you think is faster. Who do you think would, would have been faster in the race? Randy Moss or Tyreek Hill? I'm going to tell you something, man. When you watch Tyreek Hill on film, man, you have to make sure. You'd be like, man, is that right? I mean, he <laughs> it's, like, it's like, it's like, you know, y'all do don't bootleg um, high school videos and be speeding them little jokers up and everything. Yeah. It'd be like, man, did they touch that? Right. Is that, is that real? Now, Tyreek Hill, I'm going to give him credit because he's got a few things that most fast guys don't have. Number one, he's got hands. Yeah. Number two, he got courage. He got heart. He ain't no mm-hmm. chump. Yeah. Number three, most fast guys can't play the, the, the ball off the ground in the air. He's nice in the air. Yeah. So for me, he is the best fast football player that we've ever seen in the history of this game. Yeah. And he's so quick too. He's not just fast. His man, his quickness. <clears throat> yeah. Yes. And you, you know, he is fortunate because 99% of all the players that have ever played this game, you guys realize in 101 years, we've been playing only 29,000 men have ever been paid to play this game. Only 12,000 most played more than four years. Mm. That's the best fast dude to display. <laughs> All right. Now yes, I'm gonna make another comparison to a guy y'all like. He got that Dion type foot speed. Yeah. Dion at a different level, man. Mm-hmm. When he turned it on, it's like everyone stopped running. <laughs> he can run as fast as he wanna run. It's yeah. like Dion, how fast are you? Two steps faster than that dude. Which one? Anyone chasing me? <laughs> anyone chasing me and he was one of the first guys and i love prime man i love what prime is about i've been knowing since that right out of high school florida state all the marketing that's a smart guy yeah people don't give prime credit and i'm getting ready to jump on the bandwagon b dion gonna be the coach at florida state Ooh, that's what's gonna happen Ooh. All right, just give it a little time to percolate. Yeah, just, <laughs> just a little, just a little time to percolate. That's it. Florida State, zero and three. Yeah, we're zero and three right now. CC ain't looking good. It ain't. It don't feel good. I can tell you that much. In the next three years, there would nothing that would make the great late Bobby Bowden happier than one of the guys he mentored to build get that program back. I'm, if Prime is at Florida State, I don't want to be nowhere within a six-hour ride recruiting against him. Oh, yeah. I, I don't think no one would disagree with you. Right. So, okay. But that's but that's why I put those guys in there. Tyreek Hill, special, yeah. special football player. Even when you look over the 100 years of playing the game, he has attributes that most fast guys don't have. Now, yeah. Randy Moss got – he can run as fast as the ball's in the air. 
And no one in pro football history can track a football like him. He is a world-class center field. He can see the spin on the ball, and he's got great hands. He's got ginormous hands. When you can catch it with your right and or your left, and you ain't even worried about all this other stuff around you, and then I can go up over you and eat up over your head. This is you have to be able to appreciate the different types of speed, but both of them's ability to play above the ground. All receivers can't do that. To me, that's a huge criteria. If you're gonna play this game at the highest level, no doubt. Ooh, hey man, CC man, big time, big time knowledge, man, insight. I know our listeners and viewers definitely. They're going to enjoy this, man. We appreciate you joining us, man. Uh, Hall of Famer, one of the best to ever do it, one of the best 50-50 catches in the game, one of the best red zone nightmares defensive backs used to face, uh, host of the new podcast called Wide Receiver One. You can definitely catch it wherever podcasts are found, talking to some of the best wide receivers to ever do it. Currently still in the National Football League, and you know he's going to have some greats on there as well. Uh, joining us here, all things covered. Patrick Peterson, Brian McFadden. Chris, anytime you want to join us, man, the floor is yours. Anytime you want to drop any nuggets, football, whatever it is, man, you, you, you got an open invite. Let's catch up later in the year. Let's get Patrick P some wins and everything because I'll be yelling at that TV. Yes. Let me tell you what my wife said yesterday with the kick. What she said? We, we was in New York. <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> I said, yes, he did. She said, no, he didn't. <laughs> Hey, so I was I was I was in the studio, you know, doing some stuff for CBS. And have you heard Pat? I know you haven't heard yet because you were playing. But Chris, have you heard the radio broadcast from Paul oh, Allen yeah. oh, when yeah. he was trying to pray it in? It's good. It's good. It's good. Oh, hey, and then he said yeah, the guy that broke him down was Pete Burchard. Pete denied. <laughs> Pete was on that 98 team. Really? I didn't know that. Hey, Pat, said, if you want to hey, Pat, if you want to mess with Pete. Things uh, got so bad in that double overtime game. Uh, Pete was a special teams player. Uh, we had to put Pete in to cover somebody. Oh, oh shit. no. Hey. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. You already knew what was going to happen. Hey, oh, man, hey, I'm Pete, definitely bringing that up tomorrow. Hey, Pete, <laughs> Pete from Notre Dame. He was covering that tight end like Rudy. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, y'all, hey Chris, Chris, hey, Chris and Pat, you always know, it's always a great special teams player who's great in the team's game, but you put him out there to cover somebody, be like, oh, shoot. Oh, man. <laughs> outcome. Not a good outcome. Yeah, yeah but appreciate that, it. We should catch up uh, later in the football season, though. I greatly okay. appreciate what you guys are doing. Keep making an impact, man, in the communities that you live in, and keep making an impact on the position. Defensive back, it's a great position. You guys dropping knowledge and helping out the kids, man, so they can play the game at its highest level. I appreciate you guys. Appreciate what you stand for, man. Be safe. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend? 
or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 